Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. The title of today's message, The Most Sacred Secret. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 42. I'll give you a moment to find that in your Bibles. Many know that this portion of Scripture deals with the end times. That's where the Lord has me this morning. Matthew 24, starting at verse 32. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the word of the Lord says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near, so you also. When you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Amen. Saints of God, you may take your seats this morning. I'm about to reveal some things to you that you probably never heard before. And there are going to be other things that are discussed that you've heard over and over and over for decades. But I promise you this, there are not many pastors, there are not many churches that will even touch this subject at all. In fact, there are pastors that are out there saying there's still time. Don't worry about the rapture. 
That is so far away. There's plenty of time. And I say to them, shame on you. Jesus is coming again. Let me start with the obvious. Who doesn't love a good secret? Hallelujah. There are mystery novels. There's all kinds of books and, and mysteries that people are trying to find solutions for. If you look at the History Channel, there's all kinds of programs of people trying to discover how pyramids were built, how uh, uh, Tiwanaka and all these other different places and all these stone carvings and statues and everybody's trying to find answers. Where did the Maya go? Where did these other groups go? And all this, everybody's trying to solve mysteries. Today's topic is about the most sacred secret that no one will ever know the answer to. Not in this earth, not even in heaven. There's no one but God that knows the answer to this great secret. Today's message is not a fantasy tale. It is not a mother goose book. It is not a, 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 a tale, a, a wives tale. It is a fact. It is a reality. And I promise you this, that even though no one knows the answer to this secret one day, Every single one of you, every single human that ever lived, every single human being that ever walked on this earth and is even alive today is going to know the answer to this most sacred secret. But here's the caveat. When we find out the answer, when we find out the truth, when we find out the mystery and when it is revealed and when the answer is made known for many, countless millions, possibly billions of people, that day it will be too late for them. The Word of God is loaded with prophecy and many parables. And, and here we read about the fig tree. It's prophesied that when you see the fig tree come and the, the leaves are sprouting and it's ready to give fruit, you know that summer is near. Praise God. Let me tell you something about the fig tree in the word of God. The fig tree is always representative and it symbolizes Israel. Israel, whenever you think of Israel, the fig tree is known or spoken of and fig tree is representative of that. This is so important because Israel is at the very center, at the very heart of biblical prophecy. When you look at the events that are going on in Israel, when you look at the events worldwide that somehow have Israel all wrapped up in it, you start to understand the significance of biblical prophecy. You know, Israel, if you look from a, a telescope, what is it? A, not a telescope, one of those, sa a satellite. If you look at the satellite images, Google Earth, you just do it, do it today. Take Google Earth and just look at Israel from planet Earth. You'll see that Israel is in a wide area of nothing but desert. But the little country of Israel is a little strip and it's all green. 
And that itself is a prophecy. Israel will be the greatest importer of fruits and vegetables and all that. And they have found ways of reverse irrigation. And they've taken the little bit of water and recycle it and reuse it. And, and they've done so many. Do you know that the very phone you have in your hand were invented by Jews? The very internet that we all use is invented by Jews. The Jews are so prominent in our day in our society and many are hated there are still people talking jokes terrible jokes and mocking the jewish people it's been for centuries but let me tell you something thank god for the jews it's because of the jews that we have been engrafted into the promise into the inheritance of god thank god the church is incomplete without the jewish people we have to pray for the peace of israel we've got to pray that god would remove the blinders from their eyes that god would open up their hearts that they would be able to receive their messiah they're still waiting for the messiah many of them are still waiting they're looking at the third temple to build it and they're praying for the messiah to come and they're saying we're close we're very close to the return of the messiah the messiah came his name is jesus yes Yeshua, the son of the most high God. Noah's flood has foreshadowed the surprise of Jesus Christ's return. The flood showed the world, the entire world, what it's going to be like to be caught off guard. The Bible says that people, like in the days of Noah, will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Now, I, I would imagine we don't have to go down and qualify eating and drinking. We know that every single one of us has to eat and drink in order to live. The Bible says in the last days we will be going to and fro. People will just be going all over the earth. Listen, if you go to any highway right now, there's cars going back and forth on any road in this nation. If you look at the sky, guaranteed you're going to see planes going in all kinds of directions because people are just aimlessly heading somewhere people have forgotten to focus on god they're so busy going coming going planning doing this and they have lost sight that one day eating and drinking but here's the here's the something that is just weird eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage have you ever thought about why is that there? What does marrying and giving in marriage have to do with end time prophecy? I'm about to go in right now. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, buckle your seatbelts because we're about to go in. And some of you loyalists are about to be offended right now. I'm not going to say I don't care because I do care. I don't care about the offense, but I care about truth. And the Bible says truth will make you free and truth will keep us free. Under President Barack Hussein Obama's presidency,
there came a thing called the redefinition of marriage. It really took off 2015, around that time frame. There was all kinds of redefinition of marriage act and all the other stuff. And they literally signed into law. Many states now legalized same-sex marriages. This is really, really important because when you think of the days of Noah and the days of Lot, why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Because the angels that came to take Lot out of the city, the very homosexual uh, rampant gay agenda community of that day, they desired to know the angels. And Lot, as, as wicked as it was that area, he said, listen, I have two virgin daughters i'll like the daughters can you imagine they said what are you doing dad are you tripping you're gonna give me to these crazies out there he said take my virgin daughters i'll give them to you but leave these men alone they said no we want to know them that's where god said ops ah, no way you want to take what's holy and the messengers of the most high? Isn't that why he destroyed the earth in the first place? Is because of the sons of, of God, the, which we'll be talking about in a minute. The fallen angels, the Nephilim, the hybrid beings. We're going to talk about that. But he destroyed the whole earth. And here now after that, they're trying to get back the very thing that God had to eradicate the whole earth from. We want to know them. God said no. Do you know why this is a wicked, demonic agenda? And this is why the gay marriage topic is so very important because it now points we have reached the end. We're at the end of the road of the road. The Bible says that marriage, according to scripture, is between a man and a woman. Marriage is for the purpose of procreation. That means to have children. Even the Bible disqualifies premarital sex. Because of that, many have defiled God that way. So many people are no longer virgins when they get married. And in the church, this is why when we do premarriage enrichment, we demand at minimum seven weeks of celibacy. And people look at me and they're like, what are you talking about? Seven weeks? Oh my God, what am I going to... You know what? Honor God with your body. Hallelujah. What you ever, whatever you start, if it's built on a lie, whatever you build on a lie is not going to stand. Can't you sacrifice your body for one purpose, which is to honor God with your body? Your gift of virginity is the most precious thing that you could give only once you could give it away once to the gift of God that is brought to your life if you're a female or a male it's the same thing men don't think you got to go sow your royal oats no for that reason many illegitimate births of pregnancies I'm gonna say it there's so many bastard children you know why because the men don't have no man juice don't have accountability and they're afraid to raise what is properly theirs and they think by sowing seed that makes them a man no it makes you a child anybody could have sexual intercourse and, pr and, and produce a child 
That doesn't make you a man. What makes you a man is to honor God with your body, to work, to have some purpose, to have some direction that you're heading in, have a job, have stability, have a godly mindset, and raise children in the fear and admonition of God. When your kids say, Dad, what does this mean? I was reading Proverbs. Uh, what's today? Proverbs number one. What, what does this mean? Oh, I'll tell you what this means, son. But so many people, oh, well, I don't know. Ask your mother. Shame on you. Man up. One, two, three. That was weak. Because the men are, they're squirming. Got ants in your pants. Hallelujah. Or worse yet, oh, I don't know. Call the pastor. Those days are over, people. Sex before marriage is called fornication. It's called sin. And for this reason, many have diseases. Do you know the devil tries to defile the things of, of this world? And this is why so many believe they're born gay is because their first sexual encounter might have been with an uncle or a neighbor or somebody else that violated them or, or seduced them. And their first act was a homosexual act. And they're so full of shame and, and so full of, of bitterness and anger. Some of them are suicidal. But those that, that have somehow graduated to the next level, they think that they're born gay because their first release of oxytocin was in a homosexual encounter what they need is deliverance what they need is to reject renounce reject all that nonsense you're not born gay the same way you're not born a murderer or you're not born a rapist or you're not born a thief you are made that way by your own decisions and i can go on and on about this but i'm going to move on for the purpose of time the redefinition of marriage now says that marriage is no longer between a man and a woman, but now can be between same-sex couples. Look at this. This is a, an abomination. Look at this. You see this right here? These are pastors. Their fourth wedding anniversary. Ay, que lindo, Pedro. Don't get me started. God Almighty. Beta. Praise God. It's disgusting. And the people that have gone to the church, listen, what's worse, these guys are just, they're done. They're in sinful state. But what's worse is they got a church full of people that follow their leadership. What does that say about the church? Read your Bible. Read the word. Understand. Know. Learn. I know it's hot in here. Over time, people now have started marrying their pets and marrying trees. I've seen this one lady literally wrap a ribbon around a tree, and she hugged the tree and wanted to marry the tree. There are people that have died and willed their whole estate to a cat. I'm telling you the truth. You think I'm making this stuff up. I could, find, I could find the facts and give it to you. Do you know why? Because all sin promises to serve and please, but it will only enslave and dominate. 
All sin seems pleasurable at the moment, but it'll only take control of your life. It will never satisfy. All sin is insatiable. It does bring pleasure. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? This is why we've got to subdue sin. We've got to overcome sin. God has given you power and authority over all works of hell. It's when you start tickling it that then you start going off the other end. Why is this so important? Why is this a big deal? Why? Because the Bible calls it an abomination. This is some Marvel character or whatever, the movie Abomination, the Hulk or whatever. So that's the best picture I could find for Abomination. But if, if Abomination had a picture or a face, it would look like that. What does abomination mean? It means extreme hatred, disgust, loathing, repugnance, abhorrence. That means God hates the sin of homosexuality. Yes, he hates all sin. There are no greater levels of sin. But this sin is an abomination in God's eyes because it defies the very law of God. It defies the creation of God and his glory. When a woman and a man consummate their marriage, when they have a child, the product of their love is formed in a life, in a new life. It's a wonderful blessing of God. But when two men get together, all, I mean, it's disgusting to even think of, but there's no production of life. It's only grossness, stinky grossness. Fecal grossness. You understand what I'm saying? TMI. I'm trying to bring the message home. It's saying, we won't obey your law, God. We're going to defile it. It's an antichrist agenda. Listen, this is why it's so important. The antichrist... Daniel 11.37, the Bible says, and I'm going quickly, the Bible says that the Antichrist shall not regard or have desire of a woman, but will only defile a woman. This means the Antichrist is going to be a homosexual man. Some of you might not be aware, but Barack Obama's a homosexual. And Michelle Obama is a transgender. Ooh, <gasps> how dare you, Pastor? Big Mike is a man. Michelle is Mike, a college friend. Look it up. Hallelujah. Uh-oh, I just offended half of the room. We, we have spoken to a minister who was in the White House and attested that it's a fact. Let's just go there. Amen. The men's conference, hello, praise God, amen. Moving on. Michelle is a man. You can look at the videos on Ellen DeGeneres dancing to a, one of those shows, and as she's dancing, the package is moving. Women don't have the package. Okay. 
Why do you think there was such a push for the gay movement, the gay agenda, gay marriage, because all kinds of monies and lobbyists were putting money into his campaign. And so many people in the church, because he was an African-American, I don't even know if he was an, he wasn't born in, uh, in America. I believe he was born elsewhere. But again, that's a whole different topic. But that was the greatest the shenanigans, the greatest uh, 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 trickery in the history of this nation. And now it's even worse than that. What angers me to beyond no end is when Christians get behind and support the gay agenda. The LGBTQ, LMNOPQRSYTZ plus community. Because if the Bible calls it an abomination, what business do we have saying, you don't understand, love means love. And, and God is love. And all of us should just love people. Why can't we just love everybody? Because the Bible says it's wicked. It's an abomination. Just like alcoholism, just like a drug addiction, just like illicit sex acts, just like sexual immorality, just like lying and cheating and stealing. All of those things are wicked. They're wicked. Can I go on? Let me take it a little deeper and then we're going to continue. The Nephilim, the Bible says this in Genesis 4, 6. Excuse me, 6, 4. There were giants on the, did I write six? Yeah, six, four. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. I'm going to go through this quickly because I don't want to take too much time here. But the reality is when the Bible talks about the, the sons of God. The Hebrew word is Ben Elohim. Ben Elohim are the fallen ones. That means the fallen angels that were kicked out of heaven with Lucifer. There's only three, I think three or four places in the entire Bible where the sons of God, the Ben Elohim are written. And almost all of those instances, the Bible says, and Satan was with them. In other words, the fallen angels are in cohort or in league with the devil. The sons of God are not good people. They are fallen angels that were kicked out of heaven. This is important to understand because the Bible says they knew the daughters of man. The daughters of man are humans. When they knew them in a biblical sense, that means they had sexual intercourse with the daughters of men. And you might say, but how is that? Because the Bible says that angels have no gender. The Bible says that angels, you know, are, are, are genderless. And they, but meanwhile, we see angels meeting with Abraham and they were male and they ate dinner. Abraham made dinner for them and they ate. That means they had a digestive system. Amen. Angels could make themselves look beautiful even as an angel of light, right? So in other words, they can minister. The Bible says we are ministered sometimes by angels without even knowing. So I believe, yes, that angels did. The Bible says it. I believe it. They did have intercourse. They knew the daughters of man because how else 
could they bear children? So they bore children. The hybrid offspring of the fallen angel, the Bene Elohim, and the daughters of men were known as the Nephilim, the hybrid being, the offshoot, the giants that walked in the land. I can go deeper, but the reality is we don't have a lot of time. But listen to this. When the flood came, it wiped all of them out. Their spirits lingered. They couldn't go to, to, to hell. It's not their time yet. Where would they go? They are disembodied spirits. Now, you might say, but there were giants afterwards. Yeah, because there were eight people in the ark, and three of them were the wives of the Canaanite women that Noah and his sons had been married to the Canaanites. That means the gene was still in the ark, and that's why Abraham fought giants. That's why Joshua fought giants. That's why David fought giants and had to kill the last five remaining giants we only think of Goliath but Goliath had four cousins Junebug, Papo and, and Tito and Tutu and 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 they and and David's men had to kill him so let's forget about the the fact that there were giants the Bible says there were giants on earth there is there is evidence of of men on earth that were 30 feet tall i could show you slide after slide but i i, I just want you to to get the fact that yes there were giants on earth and now those disembodied spirits are demons are you following me demons and that means demons want to find a host demons are, are disembodied spirits that are seeking to find a host. They prefer a human, but they will go into a dog or a cat or to pigs. We see it in scripture. They desire to kill, to destroy, and to steal, and, and, and to rob from people, right? Just like the devil. Now, again, why? They are disembodied spirits, men of old, men of renown. This is why we have secret societies in our current day. And these people are wicked, wicked, Freemasonry, Illuminati, even in our currency, you have all kinds of demonic symbolisms. You know how many people have the peace sign on their lunchboxes? Parents are buying kids peace signs. That is actually the upside down cross of Nero. It was used as an execution instrument for Christians. You've got celebrities now like Will I Am and all these other artists calling themselves I Am, I Am, I Am. You've got pentagrams, the Eye of Horrors. These are just some of things that we've discussed in this church so many times. But what's happening is this. We're in an age now where people know that Jesus is coming. And they believe that once the church is gone, they can rise up and now take over and lead. Alicia Keys has a song with, I think it's Jay-Z, called New York. And it says, the world begins when the church ends. And people are singing it, New York. You know, Christians are buying the records. It's, it's atrocious. There's so much stuff that is going on. There's a man by the name of Aleister Crawley. He was so evil, his own mother called him the Beast 666. He actually wanted to change his name legally to the Beast 666. He's evil, and he wrote several books, but a couple of them, one, Magic in Theory and Practice, and it's magic with a CK at the end, and then uh, 777, the Quabalistic drawings and all this other nonsense. But what happens is this. 
This man was one of the originators, one of the founders of these secret society cults, and he also uh, was able to birth the Satanism religion into the land. Anton LaVey, who later wrote the Satanic Bible, was a follower of his. But guess what? There are many other followers of this man. His, many people believe that, that the Bushes were affiliated, that he was uh, in a love affair with Barbara Bush, and that was an illegitimate offspring. There's so much stuff. The wickedness of our government is so beyond. And then you might call me a conspiracy theorist. You go ahead and do that. It's okay. I'm all right with that. Yeah. Michael Jackson was one of his greatest followers. This here is a picture of the history album. Isn't it funny that here are houses, I don't know if you can see it, houses and cities, and he made himself a giant. Hmm. Isn't that something? A statue. And look here, the Beatles. Everybody, so many people loves the Beatles. Who's that? That's Aleister Crawley himself. And let me tell you something. You might not be able to see it right here, okay? But I took the liberty of blowing it up. What is that? These people, they have to give you symbols. They got to show you, I'm down with the program. I'm down with the cause. I'm part of this community. I'm part of this. And then the problem is, you've got Christians buying their record. Do you know that every time I've spoken ever about an artist or anything, people get up and leave. They might not get up now, but they'll stop coming to church. People have left the church. I've been accused of speaking against the African-American community. Oh, these are icons in our community, and you're speaking. No, I'm speaking against sin. I'm speaking against defilement of God. I don't care if they're purple, green, or yellow, or they got polka dots or stripes. If his name was Gutierrez, Ramirez, Gonzalez, uh, uh, Sanchez, I'll still talk against it. I don't care. Why is this important? Because people are channeling the old ones, the men of renown. They're not trying to be afraid of it anymore. They're saying they want the demons to come inside of them. That's why God said they'd be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And they're literally looking on how can I channel? How can I seance? How can I Ouija board? How can I get them in to me so that I could have fame and fortune and glory? That I could be rich? I'm willing to give up my soul. There are so many. Look at this. Alicia Keys, as I am. Rolling Stone, this guy, he's off his meds. Hallelujah. Kanye West. Now listen, he came to Christ. I wanted to believe that God, listen, God fixed me. God changed me. If he could fix me, he could fix anybody. But what happens is he reopened and reintroduced portals and started getting secular artists to sing. Uh, uh, T-Pain or whoever his name is with 666 and diamonds on their forehead and all kinds of crazy stuff. These people are sick. Katy Perry, who was a, a, a child of a pastor, she said, I wanted to be the, the, the next Amy Grant, but it didn't work out for me. So I sold my soul to the devil, and now she's on the Super Bowl. 
Look at these. These are all demons. Uh, uh, Madonna and, and Nicki Minaj and the other crazies. They're all saying, I have a spirit guide. I have Beyonce, a Sasha Fierce. Look, they're not even hiding it. She's got all the, 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 and David Bowie and Shirley MacLaine, Hillary Duff, all of these people, they're out there. Taylor Swift. Oh, innocent little Taylor Swift. She started really cutesy-cutesy. And now, crazy demonic. Look at Celine Dion. She started out. Now her husband died. Now she's in a wheelchair. She started a whole clothing line with upside-down crosses and 666 and pentagrams. And how many Christians are buying her clothing? It's insane. It's demonic. It's right in our face. And Christians buying their records, going to their concerts, watching their movies. One day, while you're sitting there in the movie theater, eating your popcorn. One day, driving in your car, listening to your Beyonce and Jay-Z and all the other demons. One day, you'll be, whatever you're doing, you'll be in with the, with the chia, with the side chick. One day you'll be gossiping about your pastor or saying how you can't stand them. All these different, and you're not understanding that one day soon and very soon, Jesus is coming and it, it should not catch you off guard. My son, Josh, we love him, but he's in a 28 day rehab right now because, you know, that keeps us humble, my wife and I. But let me tell you something. My son Joshua, I pray for him, for his deliverance. But he has to want to be made well. Many people don't understand our plight. But I'm going to tell you one thing. My son Joshua, he had a dream once that he was left behind. The trumpet sounded, bam! Everybody was gone. He called. He couldn't get in touch with us. So what he did, the first thing he did, he said, I went to the church to see if I could find anybody. He said when he opened up the church door, he walked in and he saw a lot of church people. He said, Dad, if I told you how many people I saw, you wouldn't believe it. People that I never thought would be there were in that room crying. And this is the one thing he said. For once, there was no more deception. Because not one person in the room could fake the funk any longer. Their secret was exposed you can't say oh he forgot me oh i don't know why i was left behind because i was really doing everything that got out you can't say it anymore when you're left behind all you could do is this <gasps> oh no what have i done You can't say, oh, Jesus forgot me. No, because you forgot him. There have been so many date setters who have lost all kinds of credibility. So many people wrongly prophesying the dates of the return of Christ. That is such a foolish thing because the Bible says no man will ever know. Well, no man will know. Not even the angels of heaven. But all the way back in the 1800s, 1843, 1844, 1914, 1988, and so on. Even up to 2011. So many have been prophesying. Harold Camping, May 21st, 2011. Right after that, he got a, a throat cancer, whatever. He couldn't even speak. And I think a year later, he died. 
Why is this such a big secret? The date, the day of the Lord. I'm going to give you three reasons why. God, help me redeem the time, oh God. I got to go quick. Praise the Lord. Number one, the return of Christ is to take the entire world by surprise. Number one, the rapture and the second coming. I've got to do this quickly. I apologize if I'm talking fast, but get the DVD or whatever, the, the video stream, or get the, the podcast, and you'll get notes later. I'm going to give this to you quickly. But the rapture and the second coming are two separate events. The first event, why is it the first event? Because we're going to be caught up, and we're going to meet those who died first in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet, uh, uh, to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Praise God. The second coming is different. That takes place seven years at the end of the tribulation. I'm a pre-trib pastor. I believe the church will not experience a single day of the great tribulation. Amen. And there are numerous scriptures uh, to prove that. But today, I'm going right in. Second coming of Christ is different. This is when Christ comes back to earth with the redeemed, that means you and I will be dressed in fine white linen. Angels are not dressed in fine white linen. Angels are not uh, uh, redeemed. We are. Amen. So Revelations 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean how can we be in heaven and come back with the lord if we haven't been raptured amen but let's continue followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he had an, uh, on his robe uh, and on his thigh a name written King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Remember those that have doubted the message of Noah for 120 years and not one single person was not saved and it caught them by surprise. They were so busy trying to live it up. They were so busy mocking and laughing at Noah. Look at this fool building an ark on dry land probably a thousand or fifteen hundred miles away from the nearest source of water what a fool what a jerk they were so consumed let's just sit here and party and let's watch him build this ark and let's just laugh at him and this is the same thing that's happening today so many people are laughing at the church laughing at the brethren and they're clubbing it out some of you are going to club church there are churches that look like this hallelujah club church but let me tell you something. God has a plan. 
So many are overtaken by their pleasures that they ignore the pleas and the purity or appeals of Christ. God's perfect plan is about to interrupt the plans of the pleasure seekers. And like the flood came and washed away all the evil from our world, that same flood is a parallel of what the world is going to see and what's going to come to pass. There's only a small minority today that actually live in light of Christ's soon return. Only a few people are actually taking serious the approaching day of the Lord. Number two, the return of Christ is also to take Christians by surprise. That means even Christians don't know the date of the Lord's return. Again, some have thought they figured it out, and of course, they've all been wrong. So, we Christians, we know that Jesus is coming, but how do we know? How do we know? Number one, because Jesus said so himself. He said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. These are Jesus's words. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. We know that Jesus is coming because he sent angels to tell us he's coming. Acts 1, 9 through 11. Now when he had spoken these things and while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received them out of their sight. And while they had looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven." We also know that he's coming because of the promise in Scripture. And here is a Trisagian chapter. That means a, a, a superlative of high degree of importance. When something is said three times, the Hebrew custom, the Hebrew tradition means that it will go into eternity. This is why the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But there are three verses in Revelations 22. Verse 7. These are Jesus' words. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I hope that's you. Hallelujah. Verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. What type of work are you doing in the kingdom of God? I hope you're doing something. Listen, your work shouldn't be, well, I went to church. Some people think that coming to church is their work. No, that's your obligation. Hallelujah. If you love the Lord, then you don't despise the assembling of yourself together. But that is not your work. Verse 20. And he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. The most sacred secret of Christ's return proves that his coming is an ever imminent event which means it's going to purify the lives of every believer first john chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 behold beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him 
for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Saints of the Most High God, we've got to be able to live our lives now more than ever, understanding that Christ could return at any moment. If you knew that today was the last day that you would live on earth, how would you conduct your life? Who would you go to and ask forgiveness of? Who would you forgive? How would you conduct yourself? What would be the most important thing that you put off? And what would be the most important thing that you put on? Listen to this in Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Hallelujah. You know what good works means? Service. So many people don't want to serve. They want to be served, but they don't want to serve. They don't want to help. They don't want to give. We should be looking up, looking for God's return. And while we wait on him, we should be full of hearts of devotion, not only to God, but to each other. Serving your fellow brother, your fellow sister. If you know someone's in need, if you know someone needs help, we should be the first ones rolling up our sleeves and say, I got this. Let's go. You know, and some of you have such a beautiful heart of service. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm so grateful and appreciative, but praise God, serve one another with love, especially now as the day approaches. Live soberly, keep watch, don't let anything cloud your judgment. Keep your focus and your gaze on Christ. Keep your eyes on the prize until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this verse in Matthew 24, 43. It says, if you knew that a thief was coming into your house, you would be ready, right? It says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So that means if somebody says, hey, hey, pastor, I found out somebody was going to be coming to your house they think you and your wife are in germany but they're going to be coming and they're going to bust your door open they're going to take everything i said all right you know what honey go to sleep i'd be like this in my house and i have two two or three clips in my back pocket loaded ready to go I wouldn't let no harm come to my wife, my family, my children. I would guard my house. But isn't it funny that we don't guard our life? Isn't it funny? We don't even think about it. It's not even a fact. We say, That's my wife. Every time she kicks me in, give me a rib shot. Bam, wake up. Don't fall asleep. Don't lose focus. Romans 13, 11. And know this, knowing the time, now that the, the, the now it is high time to awake out of your sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. Every day that passes, we're closer to the return of Christ. My final point. 
the most sacred secret should add urgency to our evangelism. Listen, Jesus said, go ye therefore, before he ascended, he says, go ye therefore into all the earth and teach and preach the good news, right? We're all supposed to be an evangelist. If you are a sitting saint or an offended saint or a recycled saint or a vagabond saint, then that means the kingdom of God is growing by zero. Zero, Papa. That means you as a disciple are not even performing the most basic, fundamental, kindergarten level ABC one, two, three stage of your Christian walk with God. Baby church. You haven't even passed Sunday school. If you don't have a heart of evangelism, if you are not sharing Jesus, if you are not being fruitful and multiplying, then you have failed sandbox. You know, I say this a lot in this church, and sometimes it seems harsh, but I'm just trying to make the point clear. Like, how many people have come to Christ this year? How about last year? How, here's what I'm going to do today. How many people have come to Christ since you've been a Christian? Your entire walk. How about that? Forget this year, last year. How about your entire walk? If you could count on your hand or even two hands, how many people have come to Christ because of the ministry of the Spirit of God working through you to help others? This is not enough. And for some of you, you can't even fill two hands. In your whole life, knowing child, as a child of God, knowing Jesus, because being fruitful and multiplying and evangelizing is not something on a high level or degree of importance in our life. But Jesus said, I ain't coming until everyone has heard the truth. Until everyone has received or rejected. Then the end will come. Listen, the more we start speaking about God, the less problem, the less drama, lama, ding dong. You're so focused on sharing Jesus that you ain't going to have no time to be offended with your pastor offended with church uh, junk or business or, or bureaucracy or stuff you'll be so busy about the father's business that you won't have time for nothing else Amen. hallelujah The times and seasons are his sacred season. I'm going to give you some quick scriptures. I'm doing good on time. Hallelujah. Don't worry. We're good. Acts 1-7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Deuteronomy 29-29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which have been revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. 
Saints of God, we are called to be evangelists, ambassadors of heaven. And God even said in Acts 1.8 that you shall receive power to be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. How often do we've got to hear it before we respond? We've got to understand that our ability to evangelize is going to soon come to an end. Once all Christians, blood-brought Christians, are raptured, that means those who died in Christ first, they go into glory in their glorified bodies. They're in the clouds. And then we who are alive and remain are harpazo, rapturo. We're raptured, transformed, caught up like a thing. We're gone in a glorified body. Once that event happens, the evangelism for many is over. And now the 144,000 Jews as prophesied in scripture, they're going to be the evangelist and they're going to be protected. But all those that get saved and, and, and sanctified in that time, there's only going to be a few, but those are going to have to now give their life over to be handed to the evil one. There's going to be people getting decapitated. They would have to die as a martyr in those days. Why would we say, well, if Jesus comes and I'm left behind, I'll just let them chop off my head. You won't even come to church. You don't even want to serve God. You don't want to pass a track. And now you're just going to willingly go, here, here, take my head off. No, it doesn't work like that. And I'm of the persuasion, I think, because we've been so uh, uh, seeing, seeing this stuff on the internet, that it's not just going to be like a guillotine in the French Revolution where you just put your head and go, chop next. No, I think it's going to be some Muslim with a dull knife that's going to grab your head while you're on your knees and it's going to start sawing until your head comes off your body. Yeah, that changes things, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're not that strong anymore, right? Not that courageous anymore. You can be like, here, give me the mark. Go ahead. How many of your friends, your coworkers, your loved ones, your, your family, how many of those people that you love to pieces, your grandchildren, your cousins, how many people are going to be able to be part of that number when the saints go marching in? How many will not be there because you were too afraid to share Jesus with them? There's a blessing for evangelism. And it says it in verse 20 of Matthew 24, 46. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. That means when you are evangelizing, sharing your faith, doing the work of the Lord. Christ may very well come at this moment. We should live circumspectly. Ephesians 5, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wills for every person who ever lived and walked on earth to be with him forever. Hell was not created for man, but for the devil and his angels. God wants relationship. He is patient and loving and giving us all the time that we need. 
uh, in order to come to him. Second Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But I said earlier today that there are so many distractions to the fact that Jesus is coming god has instructed me today yes we're talking about unity yes love yes fellowship yes future but more important than all of those things is be ready jesus is coming get your house in order get your affairs in order forgive whoever you have to forgive ask for mercy from whoever you have to ask mercy from pay your debts pay your dues get yourself together jesus is coming this message is not to scare you but it's to prepare you hallelujah keep living your life go to work plan for your future Pick colleges for your children. Do all those things. Honor God. Be the best employee at work. But while you live, share your faith. There's going to come a point in time where people are going to say, oh, listen, by the way, when you get around this person, just be, be, be careful because at any moment they're going to talk about Jesus. When your friends start, start giving precursor, giving a warning uh, to others about how you conduct yourself, you know you are bonafide, sanctified, justified, redeemed, and ready to go. Hallelujah. Listen, scoffers will come. And they're doing it. And they're part of the prophecy. But I, I'm going to say this real quick. I'm going to put a quick video. I saw this video was circulating on Instagram. But it's a bus driver. And, 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 and before I show the video, I, I just want you to see something. I hope, it, I hope that's not the video. Yes, here it goes. Isn't it funny that now they have aliens almost every night on the History Channel? Isn't it funny? Ancient aliens, declassified, debunked, MUFON, all, all this, right? You've seen it. I'm not the only one. There's aliens now everywhere. And now they're starting to, to really make it look like aliens are among us. We're not alone. And that aliens have power. So I was watching this video on Instagram. And it says, look, aliens, parallel universe. I want you to focus Pay attention to the children on this bus. Okay? Clip, here we go. Hey, listen up. You need to get in your seats right now. Hey, you kids, sit forward, please. Facing forward, thank you. That's what I like. Whoa. 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 Everybody, hang on. Everybody okay? Kids. We're being set up. Is that a made-up video? Absolutely made-up video. Is it a fake video? Absolutely made-up fake video. But what they're trying to do is already prepare us so that when billions of people disappear, they're automatically going to start indoctrinating. Oh, the aliens did it. The Martians came. You know, the little dude with the sneakers, the Converse sneakers and the, and the helmet, the Roman helmet, that he's got a black face. 
and and the and the commercial what is it the the Warner Brothers cartoons the Little Martian the Martian man they're gonna say the Martian man took everybody then they're gonna start saying that the the Mayans left the same way oh this makes sense now and then the Antichrist is gonna come on the scene and say yeah and I can prove it this is what happens look look who's here and they're gonna be a little gray dude with with big old eyes. And people are going to say, wow, aliens are real. It's going to be so much chaos and craziness. And people are going to say, the Christians, they thought it was the rapture. But it wasn't the rapture. It was aliens. We're already being set up. This is crazy lunacy, crazy stuff. The Bible says, when you see these things, look up. For your redemption draws near. I find myself, every time I go outside, every time I'm driving, I'm always going, I'm always look. I never looked up more in my whole life than I do now. I believe that at any moment, boom, and there's trumpet sounds all over the earth. People are baffled, and 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 I believe it's the angels of God tuning up. <laughs> They're tuning up the trumpets. Jesus said, you will see wonders in the skies above and the earth below. How many more things do we need to see? Floods and earthquakes and all kinds of, 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 of weather patterns and all these things. And the, 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 the earth is in travail. We're seeing uh, uh, tetrads, blood moons. We're seeing eclipses and stuff in the sky and UFOs and all this crazy stuff. Jesus said, you will see signs in the heavens and on the earth below before the great day of the Lord. Saints of God, keep watch. Hallelujah. Stand therefore. Keep watch. I'm going to say this and then I'm closing. It's important because people will say, well, pastor, I've been hearing about the coming of Christ forever. But I'm going to tell you why it's important. Remember Israel. It's so important. Israel became a nation in one day. No other nation on the face of planet Earth in the history of the world has ever been born in one single day. And Jesus said, look to the fig tree. When you see these things come to pass, right? When Israel became a nation, remember, they were displaced for over 2,000 years. When they came back and became a nation, May 14th, 1948, Israel was born in one day. They had a language. They had a country. They had a capital. Everything in one day. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 66, 8. Can a nation be born in one day? But Israel will be born in one day. That came to pass exactly as prophesied. Let me go a little further. In June 1967, there was a six-day war. Israel was surrounded. They are still surrounded in the Middle East by all enemies everywhere. Millions of people were against them, and they had less than 100,000 people. I think they didn't have many. And they fought, and they were allied with the angels of God. There were so many miracles that were reported. But they fought a six-day war, vastly outnumbered. And the people thought they were going to wipe the Jews off the earth. But instead, they won that battle, and they took possession of Jerusalem. Why is this important? Because Jesus said... This generation that sees these things come to pass, they shall not pass. Praise God. So, 
Somebody, if you were born in 1948, you would be 75 years old today. If you were born in 1967, like pastor, you would be 55 years old today. So respectfully, I say this. How much more time do you think we have left? When Jesus said, that generation. This is why it's important to understand how close we are. That generation shall not pass before the coming of the Son of God. Saints, we are certainly bound by time. Time's relentless march brings us to an urgency in our life. We have to understand that time is running out. Stop paying attention to foolish disputes. Forgive and move on. Be delivered from hurts and pains and betrayals. Let it go. Praise God. James 4, 7. It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Stay rapture ready. Walk in obedience. We who are alive and remain, that means us, will be caught up together to meet them in the clouds of glory. Many focus on the signs of the times just before the rapture so that they know when to repent. There are other Christians focusing on the tribulation. What takes place during the tribulation? Who is the Antichrist? Listen, I don't care who the Antichrist is. I ain't trying to be here. You want to be here to figure it out? Go ahead. Peace out. I'm out of here. I don't care who the Antichrist is. All I care about is get my life right. Tell people about Jesus. Tell the whole world he's coming. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 4.8 Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, uh, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The rapture is going to bring about the long-awaited resurrection of the dead, and those of us who are alive will be translated in an instant. I challenge you to take 1 Corinthians. Brother Keith read it earlier. But take 1 Corinthians this week and, and do it as a homework. Rip it apart. Study it. Verses 12 through 20 tells us the importance of the resurrection. Verses 20 through 23 tells us the importance of the resurrection of the believers. And it's a certainly a most sacred secret right now that we've been talking about all day that God knows and Him alone. The day and the hour. He's the only one that knows. No one knows, but Jesus said, you will know when the end is near, even at the door. So church, we are there. We're going to still stay focused. We're going to still plow. We're going to still move forward. We're going to evangelize. We're going to still be active. We're going to love each other. We're going to forgive each other. We're going to hug on each other. We're going to stop complaining. And we're going to be one in the spirit and be ready for the rapture, the coming of the church. God bless you, saints of the most high God. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. 
If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.